biggest lesson that I learned is that it is a mindset and it is an incredibly different mindset from an employee mindset. And there's nothing wrong with either. They are just incredibly different. And I think that there are folks who are working for companies who think they would want to be an entrepreneur because they see only the good side of it. And not that there's necessarily a bad side, but they, you don't see the challenging side of it. When you're an employee, you're very aware of what the challenges are. Someone else is telling you what to do, when to come to work, all of these things. What's so interesting is that when I first became an entrepreneur, I struggled with some of the things that people want to be an entrepreneur for. So I went from, this is my lane. This is what I do. I know if I do all of these things and I do more than anyone expects, I'm successful, right? Yeah. Then you go into being an entrepreneur and they're all your lane. Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by Tranquil Turtle Massage. Tracy over there, the founder, she's a small town girl from Montana, loves God, loves her family, loves her friends, loves working out, fishing and camping. She has a passion for helping those in need and enjoys being creative with woodworking, crocheting, healthy baking, pottery and cooking. Look, she began her massage journey back in 2010 where she graduated from massage school up in Anchorage, Alaska. She specializes in her signature massages, the Hanu Infusion and the Hanu Ashiatsu, as well as the Gua Sha and Manual Lymphatic Drainage. If you're looking for a massage specialist and someone who could get you feeling good, go see Tracy down at Tranquil Turtle Massage. And while you're there, check out CDA Microblading, offering Coeur best tattoo brows, plasma fibroblast, tightening, and PMU services right there in the heart of downtown Coeur Make sure you book your appointment at pnwmobilemassage.com. April, you're a U.S. Air Force veteran, creator of the Generosity Culture, business accelerator, keynote speaker, author, host of Winning My- uh, Winning Mindset Mastery Podcast, and much more. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. That was a mouthful. It was, but <laughs> I wanted to make sure that we got right out and just told everybody all the awesome things that you're doing. So again, appreciate your time. I, I like to kick things off by going back a bit. Like, where did you grow up? What was child like for you? I grew up in a tiny little town in Tennessee that I think earned its map dot maybe over the last 10 to 15 years called Saudi Daisy. Yeah. So really tiny little town. And it was one of those places where there weren't lots of people that you would necessarily look up to and, and want to have their life only in the sense that it was a really small town and people were very stuck in their own ways. And I say that that wouldn't be for everybody, but definitely the people I was surrounded by. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I saw a video that you had posted that showed like you were standing in front of your childhood ha- house and you were like, pick mm-hmm. up those rocks. And uh, did you ever knock on the door and say, I used to live here? Or did, were you able to get out of there without talking to them? You know, it was interesting. I wanted to ask permission, but they weren't home. Oh, okay. And I had to talk to the neighbor across the street. And it was really funny because he was very suspect. Like, what are you doing here? Sure. Why are you, what are you? I was like, I don't want to mess with anything. I used to live in this house. And I just like to take a quick video of it because it's, it's really amazing to me. It's been 30 years. And he grudgingly was like, okay, but don't mess with anything. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> apparently i looked like some kind of derelict i was there to do harm steal the dog i'm not sure so funny (laughs) so i mean as a kid though who was your biggest influence so my biggest influence absolutely was the head of human resources at the factory where my mom worked her name was sue harper 
And she was just this incredible woman and she was incredible for so many reasons. And she's still part of my life. But the most incredible was that she helped my mom. My mom had self-identified that she had a problem with alcohol and the company would allow them to go to rehab. But what was so incredible was rather than just come home and find out from a random family member, she was actually in our house and explained everything to me. And she was there because she knew my mom had a child. And she really just wanted to explain the situation and just be really just kind and and generous with her time. And when I met her, I had never met anyone like her. I had never met a professional woman. I had never met other than teachers, principals, things like that, but not a businesswoman. And I'd never met someone who I saw, oh, I want a life like yours. And she was incredibly kind because she not only explained that situation to me, in such an incredible way, instead of making it scary and hard, she talked about how brave my mom was and how much better our lives were going to get because she was making this choice. And then she said, I think you're really special and I really want to be your friend. And I was nine years old. And in that moment, there was nothing she could have said that would have meant more to me, especially because she followed up on it and became a great friend and mentor throughout my life. But she was the first person that had a life I would want that echoed back to me, hey, you're special. You can do anything, Mm. which was really life-changing, candidly. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, and that even goes into your book, right? You I mean, you wrote Magic Blue Books, The Secret of Doing Anything. It's a series of short stories. Um, you also have the, the Belief Accelerator Action Guide there. But w- why did you decide to write that book? And, and what can folks get out of that? How do they get to that, that bedrock of belief? You know, what was so interesting is I decided to write it actually because another friend and mentor saw that same video you were talking about, about my house Yeah. and said, April, you know, how do people respond? I saw that there were a lot of people that, that saw it. And I said, you know, it was amazing. I actually got a couple hundred messages from folks who said, hey, thank you for sharing this. This makes me believe that I can do this. Thank you for sharing this. I grew up in a similar way and I've always been ashamed of it. And I think it's cool that you're not, you know, just all these different kinds of messages, people asking for advice for college. And I was just very moved by it, but I didn't see a bigger picture the way he did because he's quite a visionary. And I I dedicated the book in part to him. Mm -hmm. He said, April, you've got to tell this story. You've got to tell people what happened and what you did because it will inspire other people. And I just thought, wow, that's, That's such an amazing thing to think that one person could do that for a lot of folks. And so I put those stories together, which up until that point, I hadn't thought, Eric, were very weird or very inspiring or any of those things. But when I started looking at it through that lens, I thought I would have loved to have known someone had done these things when I wanted to do these things. So that's where it came from. And then the whole premise of the book is, hey, by the way, I'm taking you into my life. I'm not that special not that smart. I'm not that different from anyone else. You're probably more talented and more incredible than I am. So if I did it, you got this. Come on. I love it. That's so good there. In one point I was reading in your story, like in your career, you left corporate America after having this like massive seven figure year. What prompted Mm -hmm. that decision? and, And what did you step into next? So it was such an interesting thing throughout my life. And I think sometimes we don't recognize this when it's happening. It's more so in hindsight. Whenever I got really good at something, it wasn't as fun anymore. 
because I wanted to learn more and do more. And I always wanted to be a leader. I wanted to be someone who was impacting other people's lives in a really big way. And I was very fortunate because when I was at that company, I, I got to do that. I got to mentor, I got to lead, but there were limitations in that only in this industry, only in this company, only for these people. And I just wanted the reach to be broader than that. So I had been exceptionally fortunate in a lot of ways from being part of that very successful startup. And I thought, you know, I could do this. I could do this on my own. I could just go start a company mm -hmm. and I can help people this way. And I put about that much thought into it, if I'm <laughs> candid. And people do not recommend that. And sure. I'm not necessarily recommending that. It, you only know on the other end if it worked out. Like it was brave yeah. and smart if it worked. <laughs> it yeah, was exactly. a bad choice <laughs> if it didn't. <laughs> totally. That's awesome. I love it. I mean, entrepreneurs, the, the life of an entrepreneur is, is so full of ups and downs. Like what's the biggest lesson that you've learned being an entrepreneur? Oh man, there's so many. Oh, that's a good one. I don't know. I feel like you're stumping me here. Uh -oh. I think the biggest lesson that I learned is that it is a mindset and it is an incredibly different mindset from an employee mindset. And there's nothing wrong with either they are just incredibly different. And I think that there are folks who are working for companies who think they would want to be an entrepreneur because they see only the good side of it. And not that there's necessarily a bad side, but they, you don't see the challenging side of it. When you're an employee, you're very aware of what the challenges are. Someone else is telling you what to do, when to come to work, all of these things. What's so interesting is that when I first became an entrepreneur, I struggled with some of the things that people want to be an entrepreneur for. So I went from, this is my lane, this is what I do. I know if I do all of these things and I do more than anyone expects, I'm successful, right? Yeah. Then you go into being an entrepreneur and they're all your lane and you yeah. can do whatever <laughs> you want. And you're like, oh gosh, so what do I do? I mean, what, and then you can get, and I did when I very start, very first started my company, I would get into this weird paralysis where I was like, I could do anything. What should I do? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I would find myself doing what I call with clients even today, hamster work, hamster work. You got to avoid. It makes you feel good. Just like the hamster running on the wheel thinks he's going somewhere. Right. So you find things like for me, it was, oh, I'm going to design a fabulous website and I'm going to design all these great marketing materials for what I'm going to do. By the way, Eric had not client one at this point. Right. Okay. So I was just yeah. guessing what those things should be. Yeah. And invested all the money and the time, but I felt good about it because I was doing things. I wasn't paralyzed anymore. Mm. And then when I got some of my early clients, they actually asked me to do bigger and better things than I had planned on. So then the website was scrapped and the materials were scrapped. <laughs> so funny. I mean, I, it, and I've dealt with the same thing with my my website and clients and, and dealing with that stuff. And you just learn through some of them worked out. Some of them didn't so well, you know, and you just keep changing it as you're going. I love that you created this thing called the generational or excuse me, the generosity culture. What is the generosity culture and who's this for? The generosity culture is for absolutely everyone. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is basically the foundation in which I help companies with three very simple principles. And it's pouring into your people, pouring into your clients and pouring into your community. 
And it's funny because it's called the generosity culture. People tend to grab their wallet. They think it's going to cost them money or I'm going to ask them to give money. Yeah. What I'm actually asking them to do is give their time and give up themselves. And literally these three principles are what I go into a company with, whether I'm helping to scale it or I'm turning it around. And they're like, those three things? Yes, because if you address those three things financially and performance wise, your company will soar. And it's really incredible that it can be that simple. And candidly, that goes all the way back to Sue Harper. Mm. And it goes all the way back to what she modeled to me about pretty much every problem in life or in a company can be solved by asking, how can I help? Yes. I think there's too many companies out there. And I've worked for a lot of companies over my career uh, that don't ask those questions. They don't ask if they can help their employees, you know, and I still kind of had that mentality. I, I work full-time still. Uh, I'm working my way out, but you know, I, I still feel sometimes where I'm at this, where like, all right, I work for somebody, but I'm just a number. I could literally be replaced today if it was, you know, if that was to happen, you know? Um, and I just think that there's not enough companies out there that care enough for those employees to ask those questions. How can we help? How can we be out of assistance? I love that idea there. Um, You've got this podcast. I, I started listening to it. It's so good. Uh, it's it's Thank called. You. It is. It's so good. And I, and I love that it's just like simple, consumable, short episodes uh, that you can get a ton of knowledge out of. And so it's called the Winning Mindset Mastery. What's the journey that you take listeners through on this show, and and how can folks have that winning mindset? So basically, I am a huge fan of mindset. If I were to say, Eric, what was the single most incredible investment I have made in my life and my career. What did I get the most ROI on? It was mm -hmm. the work that I've done on my mindset. And I would value that more than any of my degrees, any of my professional training, all of it. If they said you can come back and you can only have one thing, it would be, okay, well, I want a good mindset. So the idea of winning mindset mastery is people talk about mindset all the time as your you know, do you have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? They don't spend as much time talking about how do you get to where you want to be? And so the whole premise of it is in less than 10 minutes, I'm going to tell you a few times a week how you can work on going from wherever you are to having this winning mindset where whether it's your personal life or it's your work or it's your health, you're doing the things to put you in the best place to succeed. And oh, by the way, you happen to be a lot happier too. And I started it because... I had such an overwhelming response to these episodes I did. I used to do a business podcast and interview leaders. And then I'd have these little in-between episodes that were like, here's some fun stuff about mindset. <laughs> and again, and I, this is the best business advice I can give anyone. Your clients or your listeners, they'll tell you what you need to do. If you have the wrong idea, they'll give you a better one. And just surely by their responses to those in-between episodes, I was like, you know what? People need this even more than they need the other. Mm. I like that. It's so good. Uh, definitely people need to be going subscribing to your podcast. It's, it's great. Like I said, it's consumable and I think it'll help a ton of people. Uh, what are you most excited about here? We are in 2022. Like what excites you the most right now? I think what excites me the most is 
how many people are looking at the world in a new and better way, if you will, mm -hmm. and starting to pay attention to things that I think are really exciting. I love seeing how many people are now starting to have this generational focus. And instead of complaining about the other generations, they're like, well, how can we really work together and learn from each other? And what do we have to learn from, you know, Gen Z? And what do we have that is still being contributed by boomers? Mm -hmm. And, you know, just for fun, they, they leave my generation out all the time, Gen X, but that's how we like it because we're stealth. But just looking at how, instead of complaining about the way things are, how people are taking such a more proactive approach and saying, how do we make things better? And in a way that's selfish, because when people are talking about being proactive and making things better, then there are more people I can help because that's the way that I do things. But then also just from a, wow, that's such an amazing way to look at things and such an exciting way to look at the future. Oh, absolutely. I think it's so good. If if people can just come together, I'm a big proponent in, in just one, turning off the news and then just stop judging people. And I think if we just look to people and just stop judging them and just love them where they're at, man, the world would be such a better place. 100%. Eric, I was a news anchor for years. Okay. And I have not watched the news since 2003. Come on. That's awesome. And people are like, how do you stay informed? <laughs> and what I love is people think that if you don't watch the news, you won't know what's going on. I don't miss a trick. People will tell you, you can read it online, but you can be more objective about the information you're absorbing instead of, you know, there's a, I may get in trouble for saying this, but it's okay. There is a line in media. If it bleeds, it leads. The worse it is, the more you talk about it. Mm. Well, if you spend all your time consuming that, it can be difficult to have a good outlook on your life or yes. the future because you're convinced that it's not great. And it, it drives advertising dollars for you to watch. Totally. It's not so much that it's what the situation actually is. Uh, yes. I, I mean, and you did the, the news anchor thing when you were in the Air Force, right? How was that? I did. It, it was amazing. Eric, yeah. I, I'm not someone who lives in fear ever. But I did live in the slight fear in the Air Force that they were going to figure out how much I like doing this and stop paying me. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so good. Because it was, it was amazing. I got to highlight the people who were the real heroes, yeah. you know, and, and talk about those things. And I got to communicate with, because I was always overseas, with those communities that we were living in because they got to see it as well. And it helped foster those relationships. It was an incredible honor. Oh, I bet. I bet. Uh, April, where's the best place that folks can connect with you, follow you and subscribe to your shows and stuff like that? So you can go to, I have two websites. I have my Driven Outcomes website, which has lots of resources and materials for folks. Totally. Also the podcast, winningmindsetmasterypodcast.com has its own website. I am the most active on LinkedIn and I give as much content and information and things as I can because I see myself on LinkedIn as this is how I can reach the folks and companies that I'm not working with. This is how I can help you. Mm, so good. And I'll put all the links down below. I love to Thanks. end my show with a, a fun question. I'm a big music guy. So I've asked the question, like, what's your favorite type of music or do you have a favorite band that you like to listen to? Oh, I love this. Okay. So because I was a military broadcaster, so we also do radio, yeah. I have such an eclectic music taste that goes from, you know, like heavy metal to country to Britney Spears, it doesn't matter. And if you see like my Spotify or my iTunes or any of these things, you're like, is this the same person? 
<laughs> so I like anything that makes me feel like I can conquer the world. And that can be any genre. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I used to be just straight metalhead when I was in my younger years. And then I worked for Universal and they kind of forced me to listen to some other music. And now I'm kind of all over the place. I got some T Swift in there with some, you know, I love, it. Ooh, punch, love Taylor you know? Swift too. If you, you know what, if you have really well done lyrics, I don't care what genre of music you are, mad respect. Yes, absolutely. Man, April, it's such an honor to have you on my show. Thank you for your time and your service. You're an absolute world changer. I'm excited to see what you got coming up next and just know that your message is changing lives. And I'm truly an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to take a listen or watch. It's truly an honor to be able to speak with such amazing guests. And I hope that they've made an impact on your life in some way, shape, or form. And you could do me one big favor that would be huge. Click that subscribe button, and then second favor, hit that share button. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate you. Keep changing the world. I believe in you.